Well, hello. God bless. Welcome again to the Bible teaching ministry of a love outreach. Today we will go ahead and do another Bible teaching. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Acts. Once again, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13. Uh, the last time that we looked at Acts chapter 13, uh, we studied the first 12 verses. Today we will go ahead and uh, go through the rest of the verses in this chapter, starting at verse 13. So let's go ahead and do that. Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 13. It says, Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now, just from an early church history standpoint here, I want to just take some time here to comment on uh, verse 13. As I've mentioned in previous teachings, previous Bible studies, this John that is mentioned here is John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark. He decides for whatever reason that he's going back to Jerusalem, he's going back home. And we are not giving we're not given much information on as to why he left, but there is more to this story that we can kind of piece together that I'd like to show you here. So go ahead and just turn up a couple pages and find uh, Acts chapter 15. And uh, we're going to look down at verse 36. I want to start reading in verse 36 of Acts chapter 15. And it says, Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they were doing. Okay, so Paul wanted to check up on this, right? Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So that's what we're reading about back in chapter 13. Okay, They were in Pamphylia and Mark decided to separate from them for whatever reason, like I said, go back to Jerusalem to go home. But apparently Paul didn't like this. And Paul felt that there was work to be done. And he wasn't happy about the fact that John Mark left them. But Barnabas, on the other hand, he was determined, that is, he was insistent upon taking Mark along. Now there's some relationship between, um, familial relationship between Barnabas and John here, nephew, cousin, something like that, right? And uh, so Barnabas is insistent. Mark goes along. Paul says, no, we're not taking him with us. He left us once. We're not doing that, right? Verse 39 here tells us that then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Now, 
Little to nothing is known about the work of Barnabas and John Mark in Cyprus, or for that matter, little is known about any of Barnabas' work in spreading the gospel. But we know that he was a, a good man of God. The Bible tells us so. He was a faithful man of God. He was dedicated to the work of the Lord and to the spreading of the gospel. He was instrumental in the life of Paul, formerly known as Saul, when he went and brought him back and, and had him start preaching the gospel again. But if you remember um, our study from last week, though, we talked about a, a man named Sergius Paulus, who through the preaching of Paul and Barnabas had, become, had come to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, you remember that story? If not, if you weren't with us last time, you can go back and listen to that teaching or just simply grab your Bible and go back and, and read that story. But um, while that man, Sergius Paulus, lived in the region of Cyprus, and he was a very influ influential man by nature, um, by, just by his uh, governmental position, right? And I'm sure that there was a lot more work that could be done in, in Cyprus as well. And that's where Barnabas thought, well, it's a good idea. I want Mark to do this. Mark's beneficial. Uh, so we're going to go our way, and we're going to go back to uh, Cyprus, where Sergius Paulus, that whole region there, and they're going to preach the gospel there. But again, we don't have any information on that in our Bibles. We will now just continue to follow the ministry of Paul and what he, he did. So, but when we get to chapter 15 in the future, Lord willing, I will expound on this whole dispute between the two of them. But since we came upon that topic here back in chapter 13, I just wanted to point this story out to you. So go ahead and turn back now to chapter 13. And picking it up again in verse 14, it says, But when they, right, so again, Barnabas and Paul, are still together here in chapter 13. Okay, so don't get confused. But it says, When they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of uh, exhortation for the people, say on. You know, go ahead and speak, right? But this was so this was a, a an open door for them, an opportunity for them to preach the gospel here in the synagogue. Right? And it's a little surprising to me that the Jews would allow for this, but uh, maybe they didn't know what was coming. Uh, but anyway, it's this is a, a wonderful open door for the preaching of the gospel. And then Paul stood up in verse 16 and motioning with his hand, said Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. Now, let me just quickly interject something here in regards to verse 16. Paul acknowledged that these men of Israel did indeed fear God. They were indeed reverent people. And, and you know, this we find in many religions today. But they were still missing something. They were missing the work of God. Remember back when we studied Acts chapter 10, we talked about a man named Cornelius and how reverent he was and how he feared God. But he was missing something. 
He hadn't come into that relationship with Jesus Christ. He hadn't been born of the Spirit. So there are many reverent people, people that fear God, reverence God, go to church, do things, do good deeds and, and things like that, that uh, have, they know their religion, they know their church, and they follow their religion, and they follow their church, and they follow their laws and, and all of that of their church, of their religion, but they've never come into this relationship. They've never accepted Jesus fully into their hearts, died to themselves, taken up the cross, and followed after him, okay? Been born again of the Spirit, okay? And, that, that, and with the synagogue here, this is going to be the case you'll see as we go on, right? But Paul says, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. So if you remember back in Acts chapter 7, um, Stephen stood up and he, he gives the history of Israel, he gives the history of what God did in the lives of the Israelites. Paul's kind of doing the same thing right here. He's, he's bringing them to remembrance. Hey, listen, guys, this, this is where it began. This is where it all started. And he says in verse 18, Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And isn't it something to think about how, you know, patient and long-suffering our Lord God is? He puts up with things for a while with, with people, right? So Paul says, now for about a, a time of 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them, that is to the Israelites, by allotment. Now, notice there that even though the land was already inhabited by others, right, the land, according to the will of God, was to belong to the Israelites. Okay, even though there were already people there, God had a plan. God's plan supersedes everything, right? Um, it was the work of God to destroy the other nations that were there and to give this land to his people, the Israel, right? So this is hard for many people to comprehend today. It's hard for people to comprehend the sovereignty of God and the fact that his will is above all else, right? He had a plan. He had a plan that led all the way up to the Savior of the world, and that's the key point. The Savior of the world had to come to redeem all of mankind. And who are we to question the way that God did it? Okay. Yes, he went in there and he, took the, he, he destroyed these people to give that land to the people of Israel because God had a plan. And we have to come to a place in our lives where we submit to the sovereignty of God. You know, you can judge God if you want, and many people do, and say, well, if God's like that, I don't want anything to do with him. Well, then it's not in your heart to have anything to do with God. You're rebellious in your heart against God and who he is, and that's your choice. You have the choice to do that, right? So, again, he had this plan, right? To, to do what he had to do. Now listen, right? Why? Because he's God. You see, we can't take this same principle of just going in and taking over lands and destroying lands and apply that to man like man has the right to do that. Like, like man is God or something, right? 
Man is not sovereign. God is righteous, and His plans are for the betterment of all of mankind. You get that? God's plans are for the betterment of all of mankind in restoring us to His initial will for us of having a relationship with Him and having an abundant life. That's that's God's plan. And we destroyed the wonderful work of God, right? Today, though, we have men trying to build their own kingdoms. Men that have absolutely no concern for the kingdom of God, they're just trying to build their own kingdoms, so they act like tyrants, and they go about destroying other nations for their own selfish gain. We have that happening today, don't we? In our present age, we have that happening today. Okay, So there's a difference between what man does which is from an evil heart, and which God does is from ultimate righteousness, and he knows his ultimate plan, and the ultimate, is, the ultimate outcome is good for those who love the Lord. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to what? According to his purpose. So is your life lined up with the purpose of God, or is your life lined up with your own purpose, what you think is right? what you think should be, what your opinion is, what you feel, right? It doesn't really matter what you feel. What matters is truth. And when someone comes to God, they're committing their lives to him. They're saying to Jesus, who is now the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right, who is enthroned on high, who is coming again, we're now saying, no, you are sovereign king. You are Lord over me. My will doesn't matter. My thoughts doesn't matter. My emotions don't matter. None of that matters, Lord. Your will be done because I'm trusting in the fact that you know all and that your plan is greater than my plan, that your thoughts are greater than my thoughts. Okay? But Paul here is pointing out to these reverent men of Israel that God has a greater plan than they ever imagined. It wasn't part of the way they thought. It wasn't part of their religion. Their their way of doing things was different. So they were killing anybody that came along that differed with them, right? That had a difference of opinion with them, including Jesus Christ himself, God's only begotten son. But Paul's pointing out in verse 20, he says, he's telling them the story here. Here he says, and after that, he gave them judges, right? You can go to the Old Testament You can read Judges. You can read the book of Judges, right? For about 150 years until Samuel the prophet. And after that, they asked for a king. Go to the Old Testament and read the kings. Read 1 and 2 Kings. You'll find out about that, right? So God gave him Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. Think about that. Another 40 years, right? And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. So from this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. There you go right there. Jesus, the Savior. Jesus, your Savior. Jesus, the Savior of the Jews. Jesus, the Savior of the Gentiles, the whole world. 
That's God's purpose and God's plan, is that you'd be saved, is that you'd come to Jesus through faith and that you would be saved. He is your salvation. There is none other. After verse 24, after John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. So listen, keep in mind what the job of John the Baptist was, okay? He was to prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. You see, the Lord was to bring about a path, a narrow path, one way. That's what makes it narrow. One way and only one way to eternal life. And where does it begin? Well, it begins with what John preached. It begins with repentance. That's what John preached. That's where it all begins. The gospel begins with repentance. So let me interject something here. If you receive the gospel in your life, someone preached to you a gospel, and it didn't include repentance, it didn't include you turning from your sin, it didn't include you dying to yourself, taking up the cross. It's no longer about you and your desires and you doing what you want to do. If it wasn't about you submitting to the king as sovereign, if it wasn't about you dying to yourself, if it wasn't about you repenting, you need to think about the gospel again. Okay? You need to think about it again and examine yourself as to whether you truly are in the faith. All of us have to do that, okay? That's what we have to do. We have to say, am I walking in the faith? Am I truly in the faith? Where do I find out? How do I know this information? How can I know? Go to the Bible. Read it. I'm not saying go to a Bible teacher and listen and see what he says, see what his slant or opinion is on it. I'm saying go to the Bible. And I'm a Bible teacher. I'm saying go to the Bible. Read it for yourself. Does it say you can continue in sin? Does it say you can continue to do what you want? Or does it say you need to repent and you need to be righteous and holy for God is holy? Find out for yourself. Find out for yourself because there's nothing more important. Remember God's ultimate plan. God's greatest plan was your salvation and Jesus is your salvation. But since it's such an important thing, God was willing to go through great lengths throughout all of history to redeem mankind from sin, from the fall. And since it's, since it's that important, should it be important to you to go and find out what you must do to be saved? Verse 25, Paul continues and says, And as John was finishing his course, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he. So in other words, John was saying, hey, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Savior. Paul is quoting John here. And in verse 25 continues, but behold, there comes one after me. And that one, if you're reading the New King James Version, maybe in your version as well, is capitalized, capital O-N-E. That one is Jesus. There's one coming after me. The sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Then Paul says in verse 26, Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God. Again, think about this. The ones he's preaching to, he already acknowledged twice here that they feared God. But they're missing something. 
He says, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. Jesus, again, your salvation, right? For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him, right? So he's saying, it's right there in the prophets. It's right there written, and you missed it. You're missing it. You, you actually, it's all right there. And you know, today, many people are, are missing it. Many people who think they know God, many people who will call themselves Christians are missing it because they're not going to what's plainly written. And though they found no cause, verse 28, for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. What a powerful statement verse 30 is right there. But God raised him from the dead. They thought they had done away with him. They didn't want him as their Messiah. But God raised him from the dead. Many people today just crucify Jesus to themselves. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to hear anything about him. I know this Christian that did this. My parents did this, this, that, the other thing. They don't truly know Jesus themselves. They never come to the knowledge of Jesus as their Savior and receive the salvation from him because they don't want to do what's necessary. They don't want to repent. They don't want to turn from their sinful lifestyle. They want to live the way they want to live. They want to have their cake and eat it too, as the old saying goes, right? So, but he's coming again. Just like here we see, but God raised him from the dead. I'm telling you, but Jesus is coming again. No matter what you think of him, but Jesus is coming again. And at the end, if he doesn't come in your lifetime, my lifetime, at the end, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. And at that time, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Or you will hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Paul goes on to preach to these men in verse 31. And he says, he was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings. So here's Paul standing up in the synagogue with these reverent, fearing God Jews and saying, hey, I got some good news for you. Glad tidings. That promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus. God raised him up. As it is also written in the second Psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you, and that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another Psalm, You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. Now listen to this. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. So Paul's pointing out, 
We're not talking about this is old and this is prophetic. The psalm, it's prophetic. It was all about Jesus. David's dead. Jesus is alive. God raised him from the dead. Verse 37, speaking of Jesus, but he whom God raised up saw no corruption. He He wasn't corrupted in the grave, right? Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things which you could not be justified of by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. And today, you need to beware that what, that what is spoken of in the book of Revelations doesn't come upon you. That you spend eternity separate from the Lord Jesus Christ because you never received Jesus, your salvation. Okay, and he says, uh, let me read verse 38 again because I got kind of forgot where I was. But therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it from you. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue and the Gentiles begged that these words, so Paul finishes up there in verse 41, right? And then verse 42, Luke, who's writing this, says, so when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath, okay? Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost a whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Okay, so I just read a lot of verses to you right there. But Paul just preached to the Jews Christ and him crucified. He preached Jesus and him crucified and risen from the dead. He preached the message of the gospel. Jesus is the Savior of the world. The message for the Jew and the message for the Gentile is the same. It doesn't matter if you're reverent. It doesn't matter if you fear God. It doesn't matter if you belong to a church, if you claim yourself to be of a certain religion. None of that matters if you don't come to Jesus. None of that matters if you don't repent of your sin and are born again of the Spirit, where you become a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. Nothing else matters. Okay? So, no matter how devout someone might be toward God, they need to come to Jesus. Look back again at verse 38 and 39. I want to read them again here to you because I want to comment on them again here. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, 
that through this man is preached to you forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So no law, again, I want to reiterate this to you, because it's a very important point for people to understand today, because many people go through lives thinking their religion gets them into heaven, thinking their church affiliation gets them into heaven to be with the Lord for all eternity. No church that you affiliate yourself with can offer you forgiveness of your sins. The law that God gave to Moses was good, of course, in that it pointed out to people that they fall short and were sinners. There was nothing wrong with the law. The problem was with mankind. We could not keep the law. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. We could not keep it. Paul says in Romans 7, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not, he says. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. So he points out that's what's good about the law. And he's preaching to the Jews here in chapter 13 of Acts. We read about it. And he's simply pointing out the fact that Jesus is the only way to God. The only way to eternal life. None other. It's not your religion plus Jesus or Jesus plus your religion, whatever it is, right? No matter how religiously devout you are, if you've not been born again of the Spirit, you're lost. And where does it all start? Repentance. Repentance from sin. That's what Paul preached. Right? That's where it all starts. We've seen here that many people were happy with what they heard and received it. But we also see in verse 45, But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then verse 46 continues and says, Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, that's what happens when you reject the gospel. You're judging yourself unworthy of everlasting life because there's no other way to everlasting life, right? Except through Jesus. But he says, Paul goes on at the end of verse 46 and says, So behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. So God, Jesus' plan was that the gospel go throughout all the earth, right? So Paul and Barnabas are now going to refocus. They were determined now to preach to the Gentiles. And what an awesome thing it is for those of us that are Gentiles. That is, those of us that are non-Jews. Because that's the only distinction. I've pointed this out in the past. Right? Today, people love to separate themselves into so many different races, and I'm this, I'm that, whatever. Right? But from God's standpoint, you're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. We're all on equal ground there. Okay, And the gospel went to the Jew first, but then it also began to spread to every nation of people. Jesus said it would happen, and he told his disciples to do what? What did Jesus tell his disciples? He said, go therefore and make disciples of 
all nations, that is all ethnicities, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So from a biblical standpoint, again, it doesn't matter what race you are. You see, racial issues, the whole controversy with race, that's man-made. It's man-made. It's all brought up by man. But salvation for all people is God's. It's a, it's a God-made thing. And that's what it's all about. And that's what you got to get down to, the core of it all. But again, I keep being redundant on this fact. You must repent and you must come to faith in Jesus. And then when you do, you must be obedient to his commands. You must be obedient to the Lord's commands. And verse 48 says, Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. But, they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You see, you know, the work of these men was amazing. The Spirit of the Lord used men like Paul and Barnabas and Peter and John Mark and all the rest of the born-again men of God in the early church to begin the momentum for the spreading of the gospel. And there are still people today committed to doing the same thing. I do what I do so that you can hear the gospel. As it is written in the word of God, the Holy Bible. And I constantly point you, and I'll say it again, read the Bible yourself. Not under a certain filter, not under a certain denomination or non-denomination. Don't follow the teachings of another man. Read the Bible for yourself and see what it says. Okay, we've seen written today that some people received in this story and other people rejected. Where are you today as it pertains to the gospel? Now, for the most part, those that listen to teachers like me would probably already consider themselves to believers in Jesus, to be believers in Jesus. Right. And so that, of course, is wonderful. But. Again, I would exhort you to stay the course if that's you. To walk worthy of your high calling. To be obedient to the commands of the Lord in the way that you live your life every day. The way that you actually live in public, wherever you are, whatever you do, the way you live, is it being obedient to the Lord? Do you have the fruit of the Spirit working in your life? Love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. Do you have the fruits of the Spirit working in your life? These men of Israel were in the synagogue on the day that Paul and Barnabas preached, and they considered themselves to be reverent men of God, and Paul acknowledged, yeah, sure, you're reverent in your seeking of God. But they needed to be told that they needed to repent. 
and get themselves in line with God's plan. So again, if you call yourself a believer, this is just an exhortation to you to examine where you are in the faith today. And for those of you that maybe somehow have come upon this teaching and you've listened this far into the teaching, but you've not come to faith in Jesus, and maybe you're even even antagonistic against God for one reason or another, and you got your feelings and you got your thoughts about God, and if God this, then why this, or whatever, right? Today, I exhort you to be willing to soften your heart, to by faith come to Jesus, to die to yourself, to take up the cross, to learn the ways of the Lord, and then follow in those ways. Jesus is your hope your only hope. Jesus is your salvation. And you can come to Jesus today. You've heard the gospel message. Now what is your response? What do you do? Call out to Jesus. Repent. And if you need some guidance and you need some help in doing that, reach out to me. Dave at aloveoutreach.com is my email address. And I'll be glad to write you back and to point you to Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, thank you for your living word, your holy word. It indeed is active. It indeed is sharp. It indeed cuts us to our core, to our hearts, Lord. But you have a purpose in that. You desire that we be restored. You, you have a desire that we be in right fellowship with you. Lord, that we know you for all eternity. And that when that day comes, when we either die and are absent from this body or you come again, Lord, that we will ever be with you, Lord. You have provided the way and you are the way. You have provided the truth and you are the truth and we have the truth written in the Bible. And you have provided life, eternal life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Let your word go forth. Let your will be done in the hearts of those people that have taken the time to listen to this teaching in its entirety, and we commit this to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, God bless. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Whatever the case may be, we'd love to hear from you. I gave you my email address. Um, just love to hear any comments from you, any way that we can help you or pray for you in your journey with the Lord. So God bless, and we will see you next time.